Has Lord not gifted us with a great praise team? Well, we're going to continue our series this morning, How to Grow. And we're going to be looking specifically uh, this morning about my, my own personal growth. I don't know if you uh, could tell by just looking at me, but I'm in strict training. <laughs> I don't understand the laughter. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in strict training. On July 4th weekend, uh, we'll be going to Wilmore, Kentucky, where Shree's family lives. And uh, as a family, we'll be running the Wilmore 4th of July 5K. Have you ever run one of these? 5K, 3.1 miles. Um, so I'm in strict training for this 5K that we're going to be running. Uh, now, I've run it before, uh, that very race, a couple times, uh, right about 15 years ago. Uh, I wasn't in training then, though. Now I'm in training, so I feel pretty good. In fact, uh, um, I got one of these pairs of, of shoes. It's athletic shoes that you can kind of use to run in. Um, they're, they're used, but, you know, you don't have to buy new ones, I guess. So uh, that's part of my strict training. I got uh, the shoes, and I'll be uh, putting those on and, and using those as well. Um, <coughs> I've got runner shorts as well that... Uh, very important part of the strict training. Um, for some reason, runners like them short. Uh, so I got those. Um, I have glanced in the grocery store at Runner's World magazine as well. And uh, my understanding is there's some tips within it. Uh, I have a friend back in Chicago who's actually uh, uh, training for the Olympic team in running as well. And uh, um, I have his number in my cell phone. So... Uh, so I'm kind of in strict training this morning. I've got the shoes, I've got the shorts, I've got the contact, uh, some how-to and tip type uh, resources readily available to me. So I feel like if I write out those four things come July 4th, uh, I'm going to be looking pretty good out on the uh, 4th of July race uh, that day. Um, now my wife has reminded me, uh, I'm not sure she's right, but I, she has reminded me that... Um, Getting out and running is part of the whole training type of thing as well. Uh, I'm not completely convinced. Right now I'm kind of writing out my plan of not getting out and running and doing that as part of the training. But just depending on the shoes, the shorts, the contacts, and the uh, how-to tips from Runner's World magazine. Well, if anybody told you that story for real and they were serious, you'd look at them and you'd think they're ludicrous. <laughs> they're going to be dead halfway through that race and they will be being scraped up by one of those you know, street sweepers that come by. Uh, and if they do happen to finish the race and make it through Saturday, Sunday morning is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> because we know if you're going to run a race, you've got to get out and run. In fact, you don't need the shorts. You can run in your Levi's. Maybe not comfortable. You don't need really those athletic shoes. You could, you could run in anything. You don't probably even need to call my friend Chad back in Chicago, a world-class runner, to get out and run. But in order to train for running, you've got to get out and run. You can't get past it. This morning, I want to make this whole focus on your personal growth and boil it down to something really, really simple for us. And that is simply, your Christian growth is directly connected with the time you spend in the Bible, the time you spend in God's Word. In fact, I left mine sitting right down here in the chair, so that's a good testimony to start off. 
your Christian growth is directly connected with the time you spend in God's Word. In the runner's world, you can't train without running. In the Christian world, you cannot grow in your Christian walk without this book. Can't do it. And so this morning, as we focus and as we talk, it's going to be really simple. In fact, so simple that some of you that have been hanging around church for a long, long time, maybe you've grown up in the church or or you've been sitting in that seat uh, here at Wendover for many years, you're going to have to fight the temptation to click off because you're going to say, I know that. I've heard that. But, you know, I've heard for many years that I need to get out and run. In fact, I hear almost daily now because we are training for this race. The race is really going to happen, all right? All the training stuff was the joke, all right? <laughs> or maybe it's not. But I hear every day now, you know, you better get out and run. Better get out and run. In your Christian life, it's one thing to know it. It's one thing to even be able to go through the filing system in your head and to recount all the messages about it. And all your heads are, uh-huh. It's totally different to say, I've committed to opening God's Word and diving into it on a daily basis. And that's what we're talking about this morning. It's as simple as that. Here's the, the, the thing is, you don't have what it takes. You don't and I don't. We don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes to continue being a great husband, a great father, a great mother. To continue that process from now to the end of our life, we don't have what it takes. Uh, we don't really have what it takes to know what loving your neighbor really looks like in all situations from here on out. Now, I may hit it right several times. I may be even better than the average, but I don't have what it takes, and you don't have what it takes to continue on the rest of our lives trying to make these great decisions. You don't have what it takes to continue on if you've come out of any type of hurt, hardship, addiction, anything in your life like that. You don't have what it takes to just remain true in that all the way out without something outside of yourself. And so this morning, if we buy into the principle that you don't have what it takes to put this type of life in place, then we have to say, well, where do I go then? And God says, glad you asked. Let me direct you right to where you need to go. You see, there's really two ways that we get our instruction and we gain our wisdom or we get smart in life. The one way is that we learn from my own experience or my own instruction, right? You experience something, you do something, something goes good, something goes bad, and you file it away as in something that you learn for wisdom in the future. But what's the other way? It's learning from other people's, other people's experiences or other people's instruction. So if, uh, if I get a little angry one day and I punch a brick wall and I break my hand in a few spots, I have learned from that experience that my anger, out of control, wall's very hard, if I hit it, Broken bones, lots of medical bills, long time, can't swing a golf club anymore. All all those types of things I'm processing, those are things that I have learned. It's the same thing, though, is true if my friend gets angry and he punches a wall and breaks his hand. I look at my friend and I say, ooh, he got angry, he uh, got out of control, he punched a wall, the wall won, he has a broken hand, I have to drive him to the the emergency room now and uh, circle around the parking lot looking for a spot. Uh, So I learned those type of things because my friend did something, right? Now, think about this morning. If I were to collectively take all of your experiences in this room, all of the years from birth all the way up, anything that you can recollect that you have learned and experienced, and I were to take it all and I could just 
grab hold of it and just shove it into my head. That's a lot of wisdom I just picked up there because you've experienced things and you've gone through things. And God comes to us and says, look, I've got this book jam-packed with stuff, Genesis through Revelations, and you don't have to experience it all. You don't have enough bones in your body to break to experience everything. So take my word and learn from its instructions. Here's what the Bible has to say about it, and we'll, we'll share this, this passage a couple times. It's from Psalm chapter 32, verses 8 and 9. Here's what it says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which, ha, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Look at the one phrase. I will instruct you, and I will teach you. As, the, as God is talking to the psalmist, and the psalmist is writing this down, God is saying, I will be the one. I will teach you. I will impart on you this knowledge. I will, I will increase your wisdom and instruct you on how you should live your life and how you should go. God is really saying, my plan is to teach you and to care for you. Now, think about if you're around the dinner table. I'm, I'm thinking back to like when I was a teenager and I'm sitting at the dinner table. You know, I was a teenager, I was a, an athlete, and so I could eat a lot at the dinner table. And think about sitting there at the dinner table and my mom and dad, they've got the spread out in front of us and we're looking at it and I don't actually grab anything and eat it. And then at the end of the meal, I say, Mom, Dad, I, I'm just not getting fed around here. I just... I'm still hungry. I don't feel like I'm being nourished or don't feel like I have the, the food to, to give me the energy and the strength to, to play the sport I've been playing. You know, my mom would look at me and she would grab the food and she'd put it on my plate and she'd, you know, cut it. And she'd stick it in my mouth and then she'd go, <laughs> you know, throw my head back and help me as well. No, what's my mom going to do? She's going to say, well, eat then. It's right in front of you. Eat it. The whole table is filled with different things that could go into your body and nourish you. Just eat it. You see, at the dinner table, it's not enough to get the food to the table. It has to go in. And then the body takes over and it goes to all these places and things that I don't understand, and uh, the whole process starts to give me this energy and strength and growth. And God is saying the same way, that my word is like that food. And when it goes in you, that it will go to those different places and it will take care of you and grow. Now, uh, if you're like me, every once in a while I've started a diet program. Have you ever done that? I'm the only one? You're a bunch of liars. <laughs> and so you start this diet program and, uh, and you do something crazy for like two days. You know, you're drinking the maple syrup and lemonade or, or whatever you do. Uh, see, now I know what you've been doing or else you wouldn't laugh. And like in two days, you, you get down, you look at the scale, and it's like, you know, a third of a pound. What's going on here? And you think, what is this crazy thing? And yet, the more you read about diet, they all say the same. It's this sustaining it over a long period of time and that your body will see the difference if you put the right stuff in your body. God is saying the same thing. If you read one passage and you go away saying, man, nothing there, God said, just keep putting it putting it in daily and daily putting it in your life and it will take care of you. 
This is what it is overall. God's plan A for your growth. You want to hear it? Simple. God's plan A for your growth? Feed yourself. That's God's plan A for your Christian growth is feed yourself. Now notice I say plan A. There is a plan B and C in place as well. The church is here to give you Christian instruction. People, Christians, are here to come alongside of you and be discipleship partners and help you along. And people are here to care for you in those times of crisis and on and on and on. But plan A here very clearly is for you to feed yourself. God is saying, I want you to get into the Word. You to get in there. Okay, so you know I've been a baseball coach. And I promised Suzanne in the office that I wouldn't give too many baseball uh, uh, examples uh, in the messages. But, um, but so, I, you know, I'm coaching out there. And one thing we would always tell the players every day. Now, this is college athletics, you know, two and a half hours every day, six days a week. But one thing we would say every single practice is, if you think for a second that everything you can be as a player will be determined in this two and a half hours, then you're wrong. You won't accomplish it. Because we'll go from one station, we'll teach something for 15 minutes, and then we'll let them execute it for another 10 minutes, and then we move on to the next item. How can you learn something in 15 minutes, execute it for 10 minutes, and be a master at it? It's not going to happen. So they would have to have their own determination to go into their dorm rooms or wherever they would be and work on that one component, 100 times, 200 times, whatever it took for that individual player. And the same is true for us, that if we come into church or if we listen to a message on the radio, maybe Christian radio or wherever, and we think that one ounce of nourishment is enough to sustain me. Do you remember how they used to describe church? Maybe even you've got it in your head right now, but I won't call you out if you do where we think, you know, we go on Sunday and we get, you know, my fill-up for the week, but we need a Wednesday night service too so I can go and kind of get a little midweek adjustment and then I'm, then I'm okay. And God's saying, that's not the plan. Those are good things to go and be with God's family and to learn and, and grow. But my plan is for you to be in my word daily, daily. Now take it back to food for a second. Can you imagine if, if on Sunday you had one big meal on Sunday? I used to go over to Shree's family house before we were married, and, and, uh, and they would make this big roast and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I loved the meal. I hated having to do the dishes afterwards, but since I didn't cook, I had to do the dishes. So, uh, but we had this big meal. Could you imagine if I had that big meal? And I, I went away, and I said, well, I don't get to eat again until Wednesday night, and we'll have kind of a scaled-down version of that meal on Wednesday night, you know, maybe something that kind of looks like roast beef sandwiches, maybe. And then I have it on Wednesday and I don't eat again until the next Sunday. That would be crazy. The same thing with God's Word. He says in Psalm, I will instruct you and I will teach you. But guess what? It doesn't matter how much of the shoes and shorts and all of that I have, I've got to get out and run. I've got to be in God's Word myself. I want to take a look at this passage. And it's not going to be on the screen, uh, mainly because I, I wanted you to be able to open it up in your word and take a look at it. So if you're, if you're near a Bible, near somebody with a Bible, open it up. If you've got one yourself, we're, we're in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verses 3 through 8. Now this may be an incredibly familiar story to you in the Bible, uh, but let's look at it from the thought of being in God's word this morning. So maybe, you're, you know, maybe your goggles are a little bit different setting as we look at it this time. All right? 
Matthew 13, 3 through 8. Then he told them many things in the parable, saying, this is Jesus talking, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And so Jesus is with his disciples, and he tells them this parable about soil. Now remember in Jesus' time, this would have hit home. You know, this type of farmer illustration would have really hit home here. And so they go along and they just scatter seed. And if you've ever put seed like in your, you know, the walk-behind spreaders in your yard where you walk behind, you'll know you've got to be careful when you go around certain places because the seed will scatter everywhere. It's the same as true here. There's throwing seed, and some falls on different soil, four different soils here. Some, it's, it's hard, compacted soil, and it never goes down. The birds just come along and pick it up and take it away. And then we get this soil that, that is <coughs> rocky, and so the, there's not a lot of depth in the soil itself. And so we do get a picture that some stuff springs up here, but it doesn't last very long. And some f- falls among the thorns, and we find here that there's competition in the life of the seed, and it tries to spring up as well and grow, and maybe you could even look and see it coming up, but there's this competition with the soil, and so it doesn't last. And some other fell on this good soil, and it grows up and it produces. Now, the disciples heard this, and they were a little confused by the whole parable, and uh, they were scratching their heads for a little bit, and Jesus said, let me tell you, what it means. Look down to verse 18. Jesus is talking still. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy But since he has no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the soil that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. And so Jesus' explanation here is that the seed that fell on the, on the path, it's just a hardness of heart. Those people are not ready to receive his word yet. But all three other seeds, these are showing people who have received God's word. They've said yes to God and wanted it to come into their heart. In fact, sometimes we interpret this passage as thinking this, these four seeds only describe one Christian the fourth one. But if you read the passage, he's really saying, look, there's three people that have said yes to Jesus. You see, as the soil comes in, or as the seed comes down to the soil that has rocks, it's shallow. There's not much there. There's not much place for those roots to go down and grow. When the seed falls among thorns, there's this, there is this battle and fight 
among the thorns for the soil space. No growth. You know, the same is true if we think about our own life and our own life without God's Word. If you picture your life without God's Word as a life that is full of rocks, that's what's going on. There's, there's no depth. It's a very shallow place. And so when we hit a little tidbit of information every once in a while, like on a, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning at a Bible study, we think it's great and we receive it in, but there's no real place for it to grow and go because we haven't been feeding ourselves. We haven't been speed, spending our own time in God's Word. We haven't been cultivating that soil, removing those rocks and those things by being in God's Word ourselves. And God is saying, my Word is here for you. This soil is here for you. And the same with the thorns. Is when we're not in God's Word and we're not receiving God's Word, these things that we deal with in life, they have a way of dominating what's going on in our life. Now hear me right, I'm not saying we won't face difficulties. You will. The Bible never says we won't. Whether you're new in Christ or you've been a Christian for years and years, you know we will keep facing difficulties. But God is saying, if you're not in my word, if you're not spending time with me daily, those things of life, those worries, those concerns, they will have a way of dominating you, dominating your thoughts, dominating your actions. And God is saying, but if you're in my word and you're receiving, you'll hear things about my peace, about my comfort, about how to live a life that helps eliminate some of those things. And so in this soil, uh, in this, this parable, excuse me, getting to that place where there's this good soil in our life when we receive Christ and now it can grow up. As we're growing, the growth happens by being in God's word. Remember, this morning, your Christian growth is directly connected with the time that you spend in God's Word. Now, I have a lot of resources here, so i um, sure what that one was. Um, I've got uh, a few good things. This is, this is a commentary. Have you ever read a commentary? This is just somebody that has gone through, and probably somebody a whole lot more smarter than me, that has gone through and they have kind of talked about what the passage means. They've done the academic research, you know, broken down phrases and words and things like that in Greek and those type of things. And this is the commentary. This is a pretty cool resource that you can have. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I shared a message about, uh, uh, about hearing from God, and here was the resource that I encourage you to pick up, The Whisper of God. This is a neat book about Christian living and Christian growing here, a pretty powerful book if, if you read that pretty good. What, what I got? A couple more books. We're going to talk about community in a, a couple weeks. And so here's a book about creating Christian community. And um, here's a transition book. If you're going through transition in your lives, this is a book about dealing with transition from a Christian perspective. Um, I've got, what else do I have here? Um, oh, look at this. This is a spiritual gifts test you can take to learn about your spiritual gifts and uh, how you're gifted in design. We're actually going to talk about that in a couple weeks. I've got some Christian CDs that you can play. Um, I know that it's kind of old school now to actually have CDs, uh, but that's what these is, so you can listen to, to CDs. Look at it. I even have a Christian T-shirt this morning that you can wear around and, uh, and show your, you know, your props for Christianity there. Um, guess what? None of this means anything outside of God's Word. All of this is just a complement to what I'm learning here. All of this is, a, is something that flows out of what I'm receiving here. But this is the place I go to first. 
we were doing a skate ministry one night, and I was talking with a guy who had been in the church a while, and he was struggling, and uh, he was talking about just some of the stuff that he was dealing with. And I asked him, um, you know, I was, I was young, I was really naive, and I didn't expect that I was confronting by asking, but I asked him, uh, well, what does it look like? What's your time in God's Word look like? And he said that it was good, and then he shared with me the books he was reading but not the word. He shared with me about the Christian radio that he was listening to, and I do too, and I love it, but not the word. And God is saying, look, you can have all of this. You can have all of this, but if you're not running, you're not training. If you're not in God's word, then we're probably not growing in our Christian life. And so this morning, as I've been saying, the message is really, really simple we as a church and as individual Christians have to commit ourselves to getting into God's Word on a daily basis, getting in there. Now, maybe this morning you're new to the faith and you're asking the question, well, that's good and I I buy into the whole thing, but I don't understand the Bible. Or I'm confused when I open up the Bible. I don't even know where to go or where to start in God's Word. I want to give you just two practical uh, next steps that you can take this morning and we'll be done. One, on every other seat, we placed one of these cards. Basically, this is a a walk through the Bible, and we'll give you one of these every month so that you have an opportunity to have it, and if you lose it, we'll have them out here on the the Welcome Center so it's available for you. One of my recommendations, if you're having a hard time understanding, is to read the Bible as a story, to read it as a story. And so what we have on here, this is a chronological reading of the Bible. You can open it up, and you can actually start walking through and read the story. Now, you'll notice sometimes it jumps around different books because the stories don't always line up chronologically perfect from each book as you go in the Bible. But this will be a resource for you to just start walking through. If you follow this throughout the year, you'll have read the Bible through in the year. But this is an opportunity for you to get in God's Word daily, these short sections, and to read and start engaging with God's story. The same story of the Bible started in Genesis and it goes through Revelation. It didn't just stop and completely change courses. We don't throw out one section. It's all valuable. And so you can start reading from there. Now, if you're like, well, this starts in March and I kind of like to start with the January reading, just, just look up on, on any online service about chronological uh, Bible in a year and you'll find several sites that will give you that resource. Maybe you say, I want to read an Old Testament and New Testament passage each day. Uh, you can do that as well. It doesn't have to be a chronological reading. Uh, but the bottom line is get into the Word daily. And if you're having trouble understanding, then read the Bible as story. It's one story, and that's the resource that we've given. Um, I want to share one more way this morning that you can get into uh, the Word. And uh, There's a book that Wayne Cordero has written called The Divine Mentor. And uh, this Divine Mentor really talks about what we're talking about this morning this self-feeding program. But one of the helps he puts in here is a thing called SOAP. And uh, we're just going to briefly walk through this. It's an opportunity for you to read Scripture and to be able to kind of write down what the Lord is speaking to you about and what He is doing. Now, I sometimes hesitate uh, to call this journaling because I know for uh, many of you men in the audience, you'll hear the word journaling and click off. I'm done with that. Um, But that's really what it is and the power in being able to put stuff down. Now, I'm going to be the first to stand before you and say, this is a discipline for me to battle just the same. 
for some of you, it flows out really nicely. Um, but uh, this morning, I want to share with you it, it anyway as we walk through it. Um, so the S is, stands for Scripture. And basically, as you're reading through the passage, you're just asking God, show me the one little thing. What's the one nugget you have for me this morning, Lord, that uh, especially hits home with me? The O is observation. It's asking the question, uh, the question is not, does God speak, but am I listening? It's observing the passage and asking questions about what's really being said here. Uh, is there any key words that really pop out to me, and what do they mean by those? And does this passage link to another passage that maybe I should open up and look at that passage too and, and see what the connection is? Asking questions, find repeating words and phrases. Uh, the A is application. It's asking, so what? How does this apply to my life? Sometimes this step is really, really easy, and sometimes we have to kind of battle and wrestle with the passage to ask ourselves, what is God trying to tell me? How do I put this into place in my own life? How do I interact with the Scripture? And then finally, the P is prayer. It's praying for God's help. Lord, will you do this specific thing in my life? It's boiling your prayer down to one specific thing instead of just a general, God, help me with this week. It's praying a piece of scripture into our lives. I thought we'd look at uh, one passage. We'd go through it this week. This is a passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I'm reading through Romans, right? Maybe that's part of my daily reading. And I come to this verse, and it's just this, this is a week where man, I really need to hear that there's no condemnation in Christ. I really need to hear that I don't have to live that guilt-ridden life. And so I read this passage, and I say, that's the scripture for the week. That's the nugget God's given me. And I write that down under S, scripture. I write down, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But then I go to the observation, the O, and I, I just simply want to start asking myself, what's in there? And so I observe things. Like the passage starts off with, therefore, there are. Well, what's the therefore mean? What was going on before the therefore that made the author come to say therefore? And I, maybe I have to look back and read a little Romans 7 to see what's there. Um, I learned, you know what? God takes forgiveness pretty seriously. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. God is saying, I'm taking that pretty seriously. Maybe that's an observation I really need to pick up on and see there. We don't always do that well as Christians or as people, but God takes it pretty seriously. You know, maybe down here that I, I pick up, there's, there's only one requirement to this whole thing, it seems like, in that scripture, and that's to be in Christ. He, he doesn't list out 15 rules or things that I need to follow. He just says, be in Christ. That's where I should let my starting point be. And so I come up with these observations from just that short little passage. Now, you may be like the one who really is heavy obs observer, and you may come up with a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, here's three things you can quickly come up with in one little passage. And then I have to start asking myself about application. How does this apply to my life? I mean, we can really uh, learn a lot about Scripture, but God has told us, if it doesn't apply to your life, I wouldn't have given you the book. It applies. And so I look at application and I say, huh, I need to evaluate where I let guilt lead. Is there an area in my life where I'm letting kind of guilt dominate me? Maybe I do have something in my past where I'm, I've struggled with it, and maybe I even face some of the consequences of it. But I just read that God does not uh, have condemnation on me, so I need to evaluate where is guilt leading me. 
I need to maybe look at other people and remember how to forgive others and, and not place guilt on them. And so you have this application that comes out of Scripture. Maybe already as you're sitting there, you even came out with some more applications. That's how it works. And then finally, your prayer can be something like, God, I claim your forgiveness in some area. Or maybe you're saying, help me to live a life where I forgive others and I don't hold things over their head. Or maybe you're like, I have this specific person that needs to hear from me. I don't condemn you. That's how the prayer comes out of there. So, simple way to walk through Scripture this morning. Now, as we finish up, let me remind you that I know the battle for some of you that have heard such a simple message for years in your Christianity is to kind of tune out and to go on with life as normal. If life as normal is diving into God's Word daily to receiving from Him and seeing what He has for your life on an everyday basis, continue on. But if life like normal for you is talking to Christian things and showing the Christian things, but doing it all void of being in God's Word, then God has said, man, you're missing it. You're missing what I have for you. You're missing the kind of soil I will really develop on you for continued future growth. Remember in Psalm 32, 8, it says, if you, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. God is there for you to lead you and to show you, and he wants to do it through his word. It's his plan A. One final thing. For some that are brand new to the faith, they need somebody to come alongside of them and help them uh, to be in God's word and help them to see what God word is sharing. If, if somebody is brand new to the faith and maybe brand new to this whole Bible thing, uh, they need somebody. And so uh, this morning, I want to put it before you, a challenge before several of you. If you're one that says, man, you know, I would love to sit, sit down with somebody new to the faith. I would love to spend time with them and opening up God's word. Now we have a, a resource, that's total Bible base that would help and walk you through it. I would love this morning if you would take your card and you would just write down, I'm willing to disciple. And when somebody comes along that says, you know, I'm ready to receive Christ, I'm ready to start this new journey, that we can pair that person with you and that you'd be willing to walk through some scripture. You don't have to have a Bible college seminary background for this. You just have to be willing to be in God's word and to spend a little time with somebody. All right, simple enough? All right, let's go before the Lord and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you teach us so much. And Lord, when we open your word, uh, there's those times when we walk away full of joy because of what you've shared. And there's those other times where we walk away kind of gritting our teeth because you have challenged us to the core. But Father, whatever it is, it's there because we go and we spend time in your word. And so Lord, I want to put it in front of us that we would be a church that is dominantly in your word daily that we would be a church that looks to you and what your word is telling us first. And Lord, I know there'd be some this morning that are probably struggling in their walk. Maybe there's some that have sat here for years and they've said, man, I just don't feel like I'm growing in this place. Father, first before anything, would we evaluate the time we're spending with you and would you propel us to be in your word because you want to feed us. And Lord, everything we receive from you will give you the praise and the glory. And we'll claim it as we live out this life, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.